On front page this morning is Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor. Also with us is KK Tan, CEO of Social Enterprise, managing Carcosa Serenagara. He's also an analyst on local and global issues. Uh, let's take a look at this headline. Bank Nagara calls for critical labor reforms. They've urged the government to improve labor laws and reform the labor market following research, which suggests that Malaysian workers are not adequately compensated for their work. Benchmarked against their counterparts in the US, Australia, UK, Germany and Singapore, Malaysian workers are being paid a third less for a comparable level of productivity. So Rajan, is the lack of high-skilled jobs for graduates a problem or is it a problem where our graduates lack soft skills to be paid sufficiently and per market? I think it's got to do with combination of the two. Uh, the, the market rate for uh, labor here, especially for graduates, uh, seems to be very steep, uh, steeply low. Actually, it looks right. very slow. About a third, you know, of what's comparable in other countries, including Singapore and other uh, more more rich countries in that sense. It's, I, I think it's got to do with also the uh, labor laws that we have. And, uh, you know, are we mired in, you know, uh, low-wage uh, regimes? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Malaysia. It's very characteristic of Malaysia to have uh, very low wages. And that seems to have an impact. Fact, you know, on, on anything that we do. So when it comes to the Bank Nagara report, it sort of tells you, you know, that uh, looks like we need to do more. Right. You know, to um, upgrade not only our, our gradual skills, but also to look at, review at the whole mm. wage structure in tandem with other uh, wages that are in the country. Yeah. yeah. Also, I believe that it's the employers, right? <laughs> that As always. That very resistant to, <laughs> yes. to, you know, upping the wage. Now, should the minimum wage be fixed or should it vary? What's your opinion on We've this? We've been talking about this minimum wage issue for quite a bit now. Yeah. And we got a paltry $50 increase <laughs> or something, you know, uh, recently. Uh, but uh, it, it's just typically Malaysian in, in, in the approach on wages, minimum wages. As far as the Bank Nagara report on productivity and wages, I think they gave the right facts. The only problem is I think there wasn't enough deep analysis. And looking at it purely as an analyst, I believe that uh, it's not because our people in Malaysia are less productive and deserving less. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at people doing business, always goes to the issue of cost of business. And I believe that the cost of business in a developing country like Malaysia is much higher than a more developed country. And one of the issues have a lot of businessmen to complain to you is leakages and the cost of corruption. Right. Because they have to give money away, especially on overcoming regulations, making things legal. Therefore, less money is, will be left to take care of workers' salaries. Because bo- businessmen always look at the bottom line. In order to maintain that bottom line, something has to go. <laughs> right. Definitely you know, food for thought, yeah? When we come back, we'll be taking a look at flying cars. A show stealer at Lima recently. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is KK Tan, analyst on local and global issues. Also, Rajan Moses, formerly of Reuters and Business Times. Let's take a look at the showstopper at the Lima show recently. Malaysians got a look at a local...
prototype of the flying vehicle. Is it a model? Is it a prototype? The response was underwhelming, to put it quite mildly. What were your thoughts on it, Rajan, when you, you saw this prototype? First thing that I looked at was to see these KDK fans, some kind of contraption, you know, very basic, a bit like the Raja Bomo uh, kind of thing, you know. The very uh, use of the word, you know, flying cars, you know, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a magic carpet on the air or something. Uh, oh. But see, seriously, it looked like a rather prototype uh, vector device, you know. Uh, although the owners uh, claim that it's got uh, drone-like uh, powers and other things. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a showstopper, no doubt. I mean, it's a good PR branding kind of thing. But uh, what exactly it is and what it can deliver... Nobody seems to have really want to have delved deep into it. Your thoughts, KK? That was my initial reaction to it. And a lot of my own friends kind of make fun of it. But I think at the end of the day, as a person who craves for innovation and creativity, I think we have to be fair to anyone who has anything to offer. We're going to give them a chance to prove it. Uh, you remember how Bill Gates of Microsoft and the late Paul Allen first developed their uh, very basic programming system from a garage. Mm, yeah. Uh, 1975, you know, which is can only pack in two people. So I think, to be fair, I say, let's not judge a book by the cover. Let's improve it. I think the concept of flying cars must be promoted as much as possible. Let people come up with any kind of prototype they like. Right. And as an enthusiast who has been uh, in this area for a long time, I was reminded of this film called Blade Runner, 1982. <laughs> yeah. Which shows flying cars. It was actually based on the story written in 1968. And it actually predicted that at that time, it was about now, November 2019, we're going to have lots of flying cars around. <laughs> it's quite amazing. I, I kind of reminded of the movie. I said, right. this is really amazing and we're talking about it now. <laughs> right. I think we just have to uh, have something really, you know, specific and uh, workable, you know, to mm-hmm. disprove the, the theory, you know. And if you've got stuff that you can, you can fool the market. Uh, you can put up a contraption and make it look like it's good. But uh, it's still uh, something that, you know, there are other pressing issues in the automotive market, I yeah. think, you know, than just the flying cars. They add on to the potpourri, you know, of things that are available. Well, and on top of everything else, this seemed very rushed. It, it looked like a rushed job. So yeah. I, I don't know. If I may add, yeah. uh, the main problem or challenges about <laughs> flying car are a few areas. Number one is the cost of production. Number two is energy efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far can a flying car take you? And number three, more importantly, even though you've got a fantastic product, you need the integration with like existing logistics infrastructure, safety. Yes. You don't know when the, the thing will fall off in the sky. Mm-hmm. So people who want to have a flying car need to be trained. I think this is still grappling. Even in the most developed state in the US, when they're developing it, they are still... They have not solved the issue yet. Coming up, uh, do away with moral studies. This is what parent groups are telling the government. That's something we want to discuss next here on Light. On front page with me is KK Tan, CEO of Social Enterprise, managing Garcosa Serenagara, an analyst on local and global issues as well, and Rajan Moses, formerly of Reuters and Business Times. Now, a parent group has urged the government to do away with the moral study subjects in school, saying being moral is about more than memorizing definitions to pass examinations. The Malacca Action Group for Parents suggested that the subject be replaced with a common class on issues such as human rights, preserving 
preserving the environment, caring for the needy and the evils of corruption. Parent Action Group for Education Secretary Tunku Munawira Putra said moral studies could not be removed from national schools as it is listed as a core subject for both primary and secondary levels in the Education Act 1996. I personally got some feedback from uh, friends of mine who are parents with children studying this, even some of my younger friends who had to study moral in school. Most of them did say that it was for them a waste of time. It was rote learning. It was memorizing for exams. Do you feel it's still relevant in today's syllabus, Rajan? I, I'm looking at the kind of criticism it has come under about how you buy heart moral. It doesn't sort of add value in terms of character building and mm-hmm. other things here. But I think the whole issue of moral studies, I think it's about whether everybody is crying here for a review, a review of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. What it is exactly, nobody seems to be able to uh, put their finger on. Some are saying, hey, you know, maybe we should have... Uh, English literature, you know, or, or literature, you know, broadly speaking, to replace moral studies instead. So there's debate mm-hmm. being generated. You don't just take it lying down that nine, Act, Education Act 1996, you know, says you must have moral studies and therefore that's the end of the right. subject. So I think it's triggered some kind of review Mm-hmm. or feelings out down the ground. Right. And that's what we want to capture here. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, I'd love to see my kids learning financial planning, you know, presentation skills, mm-hmm. soft skills, home economics. Your thoughts on this, KK? I would like to look at it in more in the big picture. In a more serious way, I think we need to keep the subject, but we need to redefine our priorities, what constitutes uh, moral studies. Because I think the two greatest evils facing the world today it's related to moral. One is about corruption. Mm-hmm. The other is the evil of extremism and with terrorism as a byproduct you know, of extremism. It is important, I think, to recalibrate on the contents of the moral studies, to talk to your children about why is it wrong to be corrupt. Not only they will face the consequence of going to jail for a long time, there also is a big cause in society. Couldn't that be a dialogue that happens at home though? Must we have a, an actual subject in school for it? I think you need to start somewhere. The trouble with a lot of dialogues at home, it doesn't get very far. It has to be kind of structured and discussed seriously because it's a serious matter. The other one I want, I want to push for on a moral subject is the need to respect other religion and other culture. To me, that is a very important moral value that we take for granted. Mm-hmm. And this is what a lot of problems in this world is caused by. The disrespect for each other's culture. So much hatred for someone of a different kind, you know? Yes. All right. Absolutely. Agree with you there, KK. When we come back, we'll take a look at uh, BNMP worried about raunchy scenes and other elements on paid subscription streaming services. It's something we'll discuss next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is Rajan Moses, former Reuters foreign correspondent and ex-Business Times editor, and KK Tan, CEO of Social Enterprise Managing Carcosa Sinarinagara, analyst on local and global issues. BNMP worries about sex scenes and LGBT elements on a paid subscription streaming service. Datin Mastura Muhammad Yazid, BN Kuala Kangsa, said such material featured on certain shows was causing concern among Malaysians. Um, this is about the films and shows on this paid subscription streaming services. Are there different mechanisms of censorship used between ordinary films and those on Netflix? Um, I guess TV and films at the cinema have their own censorship board. Is it fair or even necessary to subject paying subscribers on a digital platform to such censorship? 
I think there are enough uh, rules out there now to censor TV or the the material, you know, the content that's out there. Uh, but then again, I think one has to look at, and even the uh, government uh, MPs seem to be in agreement with the Barisan lady that they should have a look at the whole. Um, issue of a censorship uh, here and how we should look after these guys but i think it's more important is that in today's world we have a dynamic going around mm-hmm. uh, about how life and, and doing these kind of things in censorship uh, you know that you need to have in touch with the reality you know that is out there right uh, and so uh, it, it's not something like you do wrap it up and say hey you know okay you know you're done that's how you censure and that's what you do and that's mm-hmm. it. Here you need to keep uh, revisiting the issue all the time. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you good comes out of it and sometimes you know, it takes a while to get the real out of it. So I think we should not say no and close the door, you know, yeah. but to open up yeah. Pandora's box. <laughs> what about you, KK? Your thoughts on this? Is it still relevant? If you look, if you look back at censorship, it was first given as a guarantee during our MSE project days by the current and then Prime Minister, Dr. Mahathir Mohamad. I think he needed at that time in the 90s to give that guarantee or no censorship on the internet because if you don't do it, no one will take you seriously. Mm-hmm. We needed to attract the big IT giants to invest here. But since then, in the 90s, the world has changed quite a lot. We have September 11. We have a lot of problems with extremism. Yes. Our youth being influenced one way and a lot through the internet. Okay. I actually believe in... First, I agree in parental control when it comes to streaming. There yeah. must be parental control. And there is. It's offered yep. on that sure, platform, sure. yeah? yeah. Just so everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Parental control. Yeah. Then the sec- next issue, I think, for adults... I believe there should be minimum censorship on private issues, including if they wish to see sexually explicit scenes. I think an adult should be allowed to choose what they want to enjoy watching, as long as it doesn't encroach on the space of somebody else, in private, in his room. Okay, But what we should have a no platform for, I'm a personal strong believer of censorship or banning platforms which encourages hate for another kind, another religion, mm-hmm. another race. Whether it's in the internet or print mm-hmm. media or any other way, I'm still waiting for the laws in Malaysia to be very explicit, to come up with a you know a, a race hate a law. We need it. Yes. In this current world of fierce violence and senseless killings, we need such a law. All right. When we come back, we'll be taking a look at e-hailing drivers. Uh, There are some new requirements coming up real soon that uh, leave a lot of e-hailing drivers wondering if they can continue in long in this vein. That's up next here on Light. On front page with me this morning is KK Tan, analyst on local and global issues, also Rajan Moses, veteran journalist. E-hailing drivers will now be required uh, to undergo six-hour training on top of vocational license. This would involve a six-hour training at any road transport department, accredited driving centers, and they have to have the PSV taxi e-hailing license as stipulated under Section 56 of the Road Transport Act 1987. Also, their vehicles cannot be more than uh, three years old. So uh, are these changes fair or are we making e-hailing no different to taxi services? And what about all those ancient taxis that are still driving around on the road? Will they not be required to upgrade? There's already quite a bit of regulation out there. Uh, and then we've heard this new piece now about, you know, doing other things here for e-hailing drivers. I think, you know, there's quite a bit of regulation there. The ministry has come up with this rule and it's in moving in time with the things. The old taxi drivers of the old 
Yeah, they are fine, you know, and they are becoming, they're actually becoming a dying species if you look at it. So let's look at the new, and the new are the e-hailing and all, uh, associate it with all the other, you know, complexities that they come with. And they need uh, to be able to operate in a system or in an area mm -hmm. so that they can bring out the, you know, goodness of it all right. uh, into users rather than, you know, look for all these regulations. Well, yeah, I mean, I've spoken to a couple of drivers and they're not looking forward to this. In fact, they're you know, thinking of not doing this anymore because of all these regulations and the cost involved. The 100 ringgit well, uh, fee yeah. and all this kind of thing. Well, yeah. those with older cars also may not mm -hmm. qualify. What are your thoughts, KK? Again, I think we need to look at it objectively. When e-hailing came first to Malaysia, there was a lot of hue and cry, understandably from the traditional public car transportation system which is the taxis mm -hmm. and you know the kind of complaints we have I mean to be fair not everyone were bad but there were huge lots of complaints especially from tourists on the not just on integrity issue on the standard of our service it's always the concept of you must have good healthy competition and this new concept is good when it came I think but at the same time you had to be fair to the taxis the traditional mm -hmm. taxi you had to subject them to the same rules which means I think what the government is doing, the Ministry of Transport doing, is the right thing. You have to regulate the e-hailing with the same kind of terms and condition that you impose on the taxi drivers. That is on the safety, the skills of the drivers, and the roadworthiness of the cars. So I think it is necessary and fair. And, you know, no one should complain about it. You yeah. should have the same... Rules. What about this idea that uh, if a lot of drivers then decide no longer to do this, uh, there will be less drivers and that will push up the demand, making the service very expensive. It doesn't, for an, a user, this is not necessarily a good thing. As long as there's competition, I don't think you need to worry. You know, this is why we need clean competition. And also the other modes of transportation like the MRT and other public transportation. I feel that uh, as long as you provide, the government's job is to provide a level playing field and to regulate. Let the industry find its own level. Okay, well, gentlemen, definitely uh, a lot to think about this weekend. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on Front Page. Thank you. Thank you.